0: All right, we're going to do a little bit different podcast today. It's going to be sort of a Bible study, but it's going to be more of a think about it yeah. message. So everybody, I know usually, you all know, listen to our podcasts and stuff with Bibles in hand, which we definitely appreciate because that's what we were aiming to do. Yep. All right. We wanted to have everything that we talk about come from Scripture. We don't want to be standing on our own. Nope. Our own arguments. Here. The whole point is to be looking at everything through a biblical view. <laughs> so that's great. So this one, we go ahead and grab your Bibles because we're going to go through a couple different things here. Um, I'm a little triggered today. little bit. Little just kind of, I don't know. There's something that burns inside me and in the fact that this is not going to be a popular message and I don't care. I, I really don't care. These things. Well, popular and needs to be heard and applied exactly. to life. Exactly. If I'm not, not if I am not offending you, if I am not making you upset, I am not doing my job. Yeah. If no conviction is coming to our lives after being in God's word, you're not doing I, your job. I don't care. And it's funny the things that people will tend to ignore. And they're always the serious things. Yeah. And you Every you guys, believers, you have to understand that you are doing something that Israel did in the Old Testament consistently. And I'm going to bring that point out. Why do I bring that up? Because it has everything to do with the way that we are today and the way everything that's going on today. So first I'm going to start before I go too far into it and uh, read out of 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to read 1 through 5. So sorry to confuse you. I'm reading out of ESV here. So sorry to confuse you with that. I'll um, go ahead and read another passage out of NLT for because I know a lot of people have NLTs that listen to us and, and follow along in NLT, So I'll go ahead and read out of that. But this is going to be out of ESV, so hang tight. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, I think if you've been around us long enough, you know that I do not speak in eloquent words of wisdom, and I don't have any lofty speech or any of this. Matter of fact, I have been um, told many times that that's one thing that I don't have the ability to do, and I don't. One thing that's important that everybody needs to take and highlight and circle and everything right here is verse two. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay. You need to understand what that means. What Paul is saying here. He's saying that a guy died for you, for your disgusting, despicable, blackened, stained heart with sin. The creator, God the Father himself, had to send his only son into the world to be humiliated and killed in this world. He died in this world for you. So you wouldn't have to take the sure punishment of death. And this is the good news that Paul preached. Okay? That's the good news. That you're a horrible, wretched sinner. And Christ died. For you so you can go ahead and live any have eternal life and be forgiven and reconciled back with God the Father. That was the only thing that Paul preached in Corinth. If you know anything about first century culture, I'll tell you people all the time. Jesus Christ came into the world at the most perfect time, especially for us Christians today to understand and to be able to relate to these things. He came at a time that was relatively peaceful in this whole area. Rome had the Pax Romana that they just signed. There was, it was relatively peaceful with all of the nations around, including Jerusalem. Things were certainly not perfect. Jews were definitely not treated great. However, it was still a generally good time that Christ came into this world. A time that we had government set up. We had this perfect system, finally, of Roman roads. They had their American roads. And knowing th- that just modernized everything. The things that were going on in the first century were just the beginnings of the things that we see today. But they're very, very comparable. In the way that people behaved, in the way that we can understand the way that politics and government and religion, the way that all of these things work. Why do you think the Messiah came in right at that time? Many reasons. Everybody should do their own research because it's truly fascinating to see the timing of when Christ did come in. That turn of the century, this modern... This two thousand years ago time period that we can understand and relate to now, right? This isn't cave people, you know, shepherds out in the desert. This was the beginning. A lot of people think that Christ is the one that all of a sudden time just like changed w- with the birth of Jesus and now we're B C Yeah. It didn't right. Didn't quite work that Or like way. common era. Yeah. It's like started well, I mean, technically it did, and that was what that's what my point is here is that with the, the the timing that he came in it was it's just so relatable to where we are now oh completely and especially with rome and there's a lot to that i mean i'm not i'm not one of these crazy prophecy guys that um thinks that you know the antichrist is the pope and rome's gonna like re but there's a lot to this (laughs) again there's a lot comparable here to our current modern Actually, even time that we are in now. Um, We're going to go ahead and flip on over to Romans. Romans 1. And the reason why I say all that here is because Paul is writing here to the Romans. The Christians in Rome. Giving an example here. He's not... Usually Paul has a specific audience that he's speaking to. This letter here in with Romans, he's more of speaking in a general sense. He's not referring to a specific audience here. So a lot of people like to disc- try to discredit passages in the Bible because they say, well, he wasn't talking about them or this isn't referring to them or this isn't referring to us. And a lot of th- a lot of the times that is true. Because we have to know how to rightly divide scripture okay there's there's things it's it's fairly simple but we have to be able to do it somehow today though we have a roadblock in the way that we interpret scripture and we just read it and go yep that's what it says and we don't take any of these things into consideration that's that's that is also a problem today but in this case Paul is talking to everybody here. He's talking to the Romans. He's talking to the Jews, Christian Jews. He's talking to you and me. Most of the Bible isn't written to us. It's just written for us. In this case, you can take Paul's letter to the Romans here to be written towards Christians of all generations. A spirit. Especially, I believe in the one that we are in now because this has reached levels that are absolutely disgusting and how the rest of the church does not see the realities in the comparisons that we have here in scripture that our lives unknowingly because we're caught up in the cares and affairs of this world, are mimicking those of Israel, the very Israel that thought that they were doing good and they were following God and they were doing these things. Before we get to the Old Testament, and I can sum the Old Testament up for you real quick in a bit, but before we get to that, Going to read out of Romans 1. And again, this is in the ESV, so I apologize to anybody that doesn't have it. But get the Bible app, download it on your phone, it's free, and you can read on the ESV or go to esv.org. And they even have the little study Bible on there for free. So I definitely recommend that to anybody that uh, likes to study. Travis brought up uh, the other day. I think it's Bible, Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway, mm-hmm. yes. They're a they great do. one, too. They are great because yeah. they um, they do things in context. They do. Oh, it's it's a great There's resource There's some amazing tool. resources yes. out there. There's so, really no need to be ignorant to these things I'm uh, thankful for him uh, pointing that out to anybody listening to the podcast as well because that is a great resource tool. So pull that up, too, on there, and it's got the uh, ESV version on there, and you can read it and compare it with other versions too. So if you have the NLT, you can have both up at the same time. So anyway, starting in verse 15, Paul's explaining to the Romans here that he is the apostle to them and just kind of goes into this sermon here that even though this is a letter, it's, it's, it's almost a sermon here of him just going off. This is the things that people don't want to hear. These are the things that that even ancient Israel pushed off and said, "Don't don't tell us this stuff. We want to hear the good stuff. You're being all doomy and gloomy and yeah, that's fine. God's cool and all, but I it's, it's just not for me. I want to hear about Jesus and love and positivity and I want to feel good about myself and I want to feel good about my life here. And I want to try to attach God to everything that I have here right now on this earth. So, Verse 15. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. All right, let's go through this again. Okay. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What do you think that that means? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. What do you think that means? Paul goes on to even list these things specifically. Even though it's all, they were filled with all manner, in verse 29, with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, these people know God's law. They know that the things that they are doing Go specifically against it. What do you think you all are doing when you're excusing something because it's in your comfort zone? It's your way of life. These things go So far against God, today is the 4th of July. I sat and watched about a half an hour of this ridiculous parade that the president is having in Washington to celebrate America. This is the absolutely most disgusting thing I think that I've seen in this country. Absolutely pitiful. It is unbelievable. What do you think Paul is talking about here? And Christians are lapping this stuff up. The amount of signs, the amount of things that you hear and see. And I'm sure at 630, I'm going to be tuning in. You can can bet your money on that for the president's address. I can guarantee you that I'm going to hear all of his little spiritual advisors his little religious crew that are that are doing this exact though they know god's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them well what things well we'll read it again Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, slanderers. Our president goes on what he self-admittedly calls Twitter tantrums and becomes slanderous. And you fools go and say, God bless our president and God bless this country when you say that you are literally let's go back up to verse 22 claiming to be wise they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things in context in this culture idols Little statues of idols were very, very popular. They were made in the streets. Matter of fact, um, Paul came in, preached a little bit. Actually, these idols started stopped selling. This wasn't in Rome. But he got into a lot of trouble with people making idols all throughout his ministry because he would go in and preach Christ and it was bad for business. But these little idols, you know what they were that people would buy? They were little gods that would represent certain things. They would represent the gods of money, fertility, peace, joy, all these different things. They had an idol for everything. And people worshiped these things. What do you think that your American lifestyle is when you're buying into this junk and into this? What do you think that is? We are clearly called to be set apart, you know, because we're talking about the death of somebody that died so you wouldn't get caught up in this mess. And instead of that, you're exchanging these things for these this earthly, whatever this utopia that you have built yourself, you are doing and repeating exactly what the nation of Israel did since the beginning of time. Since God chose them as a nation, they did the same thing. When I told you I was going to sum up the Old Testament real quick, here it goes. God chose his people, Israel. They became haughty, prideful, and proud every single time that they were given a blessing. And then they were kicked out. So they messed up really bad. They got kicked out. A lot of them got killed and got judged by God. And then they were brought back in. And then guess what happened? Same thing happened. They built this huge society, this, this utopia, this great again Israel, that completely forgot God and completely traded the knowledge of God and his practices and the holiness of God for their life here. We'll go ahead and skip over to Isaiah 58. Okay, I'm going to go in and read this in NLT in Isaiah 58 because it's a little bit easier for people to understand and I do like the wording that they use worship here in the NLT because this is this makes it a little bit more relatable in ESV it renders the word uh, fasting true and false fasting which is the same because in the Old Testament fasting was a form of worship but The NLT renders it worship, and I like that word better. So here we go. Shout with a voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so poised. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation. They would never abandon the laws of its God. They asked me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We've fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you are oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything that you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. We're going to continue on in 59. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds, and they give birth to sin. They hatch deadly snakes and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Whoever cracks them will hatch a viper. Those webs can't be made into clothing and nothing they do is productive. All their activity is filled with sin and violence is their trademark. Their feet run to do evil and they rush to commit murder. They only think about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. They don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads, and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. So there is no justice among us, and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeding our way like people without eyes. Even at brightest noontime we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living we are like the dead. We growl like hungry bears. We moan like mournful doves. We look for justice, but it never comes. We look for rescue, but it is far away from us. For sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know we have rebelled and denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on our God. We know how unfair and oppressive we've been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed a helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. In the West, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the east they will glorify him. For he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on their lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, let's. I don't think I really even need to read anything else. Let me read twenty again. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. This is my covenant. My Spirit will not leave them. Okay, He comes back for the people who have turned from their sins. This is not a group blessing here that we're special than somebody else. We are lumped in with our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. But we can see in Isaiah 58 and 59 that I just read. These are words from the Lord himself to his holy people, his nation of Israel. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Sounds eerily familiar to our everyday life, what we see in the news Every single day, doesn't it? Every single day. We are defined by these things. It's nearly spot on. You'd think he's talking. You would think he was talking to America. You would think Israel is prophesying of America, or um, Isaiah is prophesying of America here. He's not. This is to Israel. However, you might as well take it as America, because this is the exact same thing that happens with God's people. This is what they do. This is the enemy that infiltrated the church that came in in saying that God's grace allowed all of this. It allows us to be slanderous, to be boastful, to be proud. It does not. There's no room for it. There's no room for it whatsoever. You have no pride in somebody murdering somebody. There there should be no pride in that. We just read at the beginning of this to Paul that the only thing that he knew was Christ crucified. That's a murder. Because it's things that we did. These things are a little bit more serious than we pretend them to be. All of this has to fit a certain last generation. I don't know what generation that will be. But the Redeemer will come and He will take those with Him who have accepted Him and have turned from their sins. I don't know what generation that falls upon, but that's going to happen. And if this does not look like the condition of your world today, then you need to... to, Spend some time in some serious, serious prayer. Because this is exactly what he's talking about. And we're all missing it. And you can't. I don't care if you don't like it. Because it's not my truth. This is God's truth. And this is what he says. I'm not interpreting this some fancy way, guys. This is exactly what it says, and this is exactly what he warns us of. And that's exactly what Paul repeats in Romans. In generalities, they knew better, and they forgot God. And their sins got them wrapped up into their destruction. I think that we all need to take a little bit and definitely think on that.